and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing late Sunday evening. Joining me from New York City, up from Philadelphia, where he watched the 76ers play the Nets today and beat them, is Tim Bontemps. It was actually in Brooklyn where the game oh, was. was. And then I came home. Apologies. I'll be in Philly, uh, be in Philly to see uh, Northeast Ohio's own Cleveland Cavaliers Tuesday. Big day. The NBA, things can change that fast. The Cavaliers have now won three in a row, four or five, upset the Nuggets mm. without Donovan Mitchell on Sunday. By the way, in this game on Sunday, Brian's MVP from last season, Jared Allen, plus 42 against Nikola Jokic. That has to be has to be the best anybody's ever played in a match with Jokic, plus minus wise. Drew, drew several offensive fouls on the Joker. Cavs finally making a couple of threes. That's always helpful. And they get to play a couple of home games, which is always helpful. So they're uh, back on uh, solid ground. Joining us uh, from Dallas, where he attended tonight's Kings-Mavericks game, where the Mavericks are coming crashing back to earth because their opponents keep scoring gigantic amounts of points. They uh, gave up some – how many – I'll just introduce you first. Ben McMahon. <laughs> Howdy, partners. 261 points over the last 24 hours, if my math is correct. How many did they? Plus hours. I'm, uh, I was in the 129. Did I do that math right? That is 261. Well done. Yeah. Good job. That's uh, North Texas, University of North Texas right there. I was actually in Milwaukee today. I'm now in Chicago, but I was in Milwaukee today, and people there were loved that game on Saturday night. Kyrie put up 39. Oh, yeah. Luca had like 35, 36. 35. Um, Giannis had 40. Dame had like 27. Mm-hmm. Nobody played any defense, and the Bucs won. The Bucs scored like 45 or something in the fourth quarter. Uh, they loved that game in Milwaukee. The Mavericks will play a lot of extremely entertaining games. Because they are an elite offensive team and an awful defensive team. As Jason Kidd said tonight, I quote, right now our best offense is our defense. If we don't score 130, it's tough to win. And it's just the simple fact of the matter. When they play good teams, they tend to give up a whole bunch of points. Well, the Sacramento Kings have found their offensive mojo from last year. And they put up 130 on the Mavericks in Dallas. 129 uh, on only. 129. You're correct. Well done. Some guy named De- uh, Dematis Sabonis had 32, 13, and 6. Only went 13 to 15 from the field. I know. He's just a throw-in and a trade. Must be very lucky to find him. <laughs> De'Aaron Fox yeah. had 30 and 7, which is an average game for him. So, in all honesty... Yeah. They held them to average. That's all you can expect. Um, Six and one this year when De'Aaron Fox plays, by the way. That's pretty pretty good. good. We'll talk more about the Kings in a little bit. Raptors put up 142 today on the Pistons, who are now two and 12. So they, the Mavericks didn't play the worst defense uh, today. I can, I can. They didn't play the worst defense in the Western conference. That might've been the, the Portland Trailblazers. I think we could yeah. remove might have from the conversation. <laughs> Who gave up 134. So this was the Thunder's weekend. The Thunder um, have a just absolutely awesome victory um, Saturday night in Golden State. Um, Chet Holmgren hits a three to force overtime. We're going to talk about the rookies here in a minute. Um, this play 
was fascinating. There is something that made its way around social media. There was someone about 15 feet away from chat sitting in the front row at Chase Center who took a video. I wish I could tell them I don't have it right in front of me. And that went all around social media today. It was on TikTok, went all around where it was like, you know, the the, the low angle mm-hmm. of Chet hitting the shot. Andrew Wiggins plays 9.9 out of 10 defense on that play. Absolutely smothers him. Hand one millimeter from Holmgren's nose up on top of him. Totally perfect defense on that play. Does not touch him. But Chet Holmgren's got six inches on him. So when Chet Holmgren catches and turns and shoots a corner three, Andrew Wiggins can't challenge the shot effectively. Holmgren hits it, forces overtime, and then arguably, I think, the one of the biggest killers in overtime in the NBA right now is Shea Gildas-Alexander. He went five of six in overtime shooting the ball. Um, it was the second time he's in his career where he scored double digits in overtime, which that's not easy to do. He, let me find Well, this how about here. the sequence? How about the sequence when he bangs a three, blocks Steph on a three, and then after blocking the shot, ends up with a layup at the yeah, other end. Transition the other way. And, th- and, th- and that was... And that was one end, other was, end, other end. Yeah. Big shot, <laughs> swat a living legend, dagger in transition. And Bon Timps, as you said in the group chat, that is an MVP level sequence. Um, a lot of, you know, in the MB in the MVP discussion is way premature, although we've already got certain coaches lobbying for guys. Um, but that <laughs> like that is top tier superstar type of stuff that you saw from uh, SGA in San Francisco. So twice in the last two years, he has 10 point overtimes in the NBA. And then I will tell you in the overtime session on the bronze medal game against Team USA, when he was playing for Team Canada, he dropped a knife into their heart Mm. in overtime in that session too. So watch out on Shea in overtime. By the way, this so far, I would say, I I was going to say, watch out the first 48 minutes too. First team ball would be a guard. Well, he had 17 points in clutch time in in that game. He's since (laughs) there was no clutch time in the game against the Blazers on Sunday. He is averaging 20 points per game this year off drives. Mm -hmm. He's shooting a little bit more three-pointers, but geez, don't even bother if you can drive the ball that effectively. So they played, then they flew up the coast after that overtime game and won by 43 against the Blazers, who are 3-10. and They they shot 60% from the field, went 22 for 36 from the three, 61%, and shot 100%. 14 for 14 from the free throw line. That is a pretty good offensive night. That's the 61, 61, 100 (laughs) flash line. Um, The Blazers aren't a real NBA team though. Like it's, it's not. Well, right now they're they're playing, they're playing multiple guys who probably would be in the G league. Otherwise I don't mean to be mean, but. They're yeah. missing a bunch of guys on a team that's already not well, good. So they've been competitive the past several games. They weren't losing by 45. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Like they got housed. Well, anyway, Shea had 28 points in 23 minutes. I'm going to say that again. 28 points in 23 minutes. And Chet Holmgren, who we're, we're going to talk about, had 16 points on six of six shooting. Six of six shooting. 
Um, also pretty good. He is shooting 50, 40, 90. With, so, and it's not, it's not like just 50, 40. What is it? It's like 55 and like 40. Coming into the day, it was 54.6, 43.8, and 90.4. And that was after going six for six from the field and two for two from three. So I suspect those numbers are going to be a bit higher now. Well, they're certainly not lower because he missed no shots. Today. <laughs> yes. uh, Good point. <laughs> okay. So on, so on Saturday night, he had a signature early game, not not just that three-pointer to force overtime, but um, 14 of 22 from the floor, 10 rebounds, five assists, two steals, two blocks, mm. 36 points. Mm. So, well, and we were all talking about it during the game. The, the most impressive thing about that performance and about that shot he hit was he was god-awful the whole minute before that. Yeah, made several critical nice, mistakes. He blew a, a point blank layup. He blew a layup. He missed an offensive rebound that led to Andrew Wiggins hitting a shot that looked like it sealed the game for them. Had another there, miscue on the drive. Shot, like, no, well, there was ahead. a shot clock violation where he, uh, I forgot who passed it out to him. I think it was Shea passed it out to him. And it was like, oh, yes. Catch, right. catch and shoot. He kind of moved and you saw him like banging his head. And to have that tough of a, about a minute long span in crunch time and still not only want the ball, but to hit the shot. You, you were talking about Wendy, pretty tremendous cojones from a rookie there. Well, and the coach draws up the play for the, for the guy, because obviously he's a seven footer. So if he can catch it on the move and shoot it, he's not going to get it blocked. And like Brian said, he makes this unbelievable catch turning on, on the sideline, no room anywhere. His foot is actually, up off the ground so he doesn't step on the yeah. out-of-bounds line because if his foot had been flat, he'd have been out-of-bounds and bangs the shot. I mean, it was just an unbelievable play and a heck of a call by Mark Daniel, the coach of the Thunder, to put the ball in his hands after all that. Be like, hey, look, man, you're still one of our guys. We're going to trust you to make this kind of play. I mean, it was just – it was pretty epic. And lost in all of it is Andrew Wiggins, and we're going to get to the Warriors, yeah. but – Andrew Wiggins looked like he was having the game. Golden State's been desperately waiting for him to have. Hits this huge shot. Looks like they're going to snap this five-game losing streak. Everybody's going crazy. And then Chet hits this shot. Shea takes their lives in overtime. And all of a sudden, the Warriors have now lost six in a row. And like things are totally different for them, for what it looked like. Just a wild, wild sequence at the Chase Center. Yeah, well, Dagonal uh, had the uh, great line. He's like, "Yeah, the best part of the play design was me drawing it going in." <laughs> that's always that's always very much appreciated when that happens. Okay, so we are one month into the season now, so they will give a rookie of the month, and they the first month, the first award they combine October and November. It's like a six week award, so it's still a couple of weeks away, but this is already shaping up. Mm, to be mm. a tremendous rookie of the year battle back and forth. And, you know, Victor, the Spurs blew a big lead on Saturday. It was not a great performance from them. They've lost, have they lost eight in a row? They're, they're flailing. Uh, but... Eight or nine, I think. I'll look it up right now. Like they're that. one in six this year when they lead by 10. Oh boy. <laughs> That's well, hard to do. <laughs> that is, it is hard to do. They're abjectly awful on yes. defense. And it's not necessarily Victor's fault. We'll consider um, sure. abjectly awful in all parts of the game, really. That's but... true. No, well, there are a ton of points better per hundred possessions with Victor on the that's floor. That's true. But still bad. 
Victor had eight blocks on Saturday night. Um, and they so gave up 120 points in regulation. Yeah, they've lost eight in a row. It's amazing. I know. With the guy blocking eight shots. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. So Victor is averaging, Victor's played 13 games. Victor is averaging 19 points, 9.5 rebounds, 2.4 assists, 1.1 steals, and 2.2 blocks. Mm -hmm. He is shooting 43% from the field. This is where he's a huge difference from Chet. Chet is shooting a much higher percentage on taking on um, a totally different shot diet. Victor is making uh, 28% of his threes and he's taken six a game. Um, and Popovich the other day was kind of asked about this and he basically repeated what he has said since training camp, which is they are not trying to put any sort of constraints on Victor's game. And so basically like, Victor, if you want to take six threes, fine. You want to take nine threes, fine. They're really not doing a whole heck of a lot of correction. They just want to let him breathe, which is a luxury they have because there's no expectations on this team, and they are clearly it's clearly not working. Um, he has no point guard for a big chunk of the game. They do bring right. Trey Jones off the bench, but he's as he's a bench player, Victor's a starter. I'm not sure how much time they're actually spending together, and that's affecting their offensive efficiency. And then defensively, they're just an awful team. So, but those are Victor's stats. Um, Holmgren, and I realize that these stats are now not updated. So let me see if I can get updated stats. I think he's averaging. So, I, I, so just because just because you asked, and I was looking it up. So Trey Jones and Victor Weminyama have played 146 minutes together this that's season. A, that's a lot, actually. Okay, it's so it's like, pretty high up on the list yeah. of uh, Spurs two man lineups. You want to guess what their net rating is? When they're on the court, there can't be any t- any lineup that's played like more than twenty minutes that's got a positive net rating for the Spurs. Just so the two of them together when they're on the court, one hundred forty six minutes. What do you think their net rating is? I think it's pretty close to even, plus fourteen wow. points. Okay, I was going to say I said pretty close to even because when I looked it up early in the season, it was in that range. I'm surprised well, it stayed in that range is, as much this as is, they lost. Look, I don't want to make everything comparison to LeBron people can rip me for that when LeBron was a rookie the Cavs started four and 15 they had no point guard and he had some duds he had some brilliant games and he had some duds and there were people there were people kind of grumbling a little bit about this guy I know that that's not what the memory banks say the memory right. banks say he was great in the Sacramento game and then he immediately took flight and started averaging 30 and 20. That wasn't the case. He had a rough, numerous rough nights in his first two, three months. And then at midseason, like January, the Cavs traded for a point guard, Jeff McGinnis, who wasn't going to the Hall of Fame, but certainly knew how to operate a team. And instantaneously, the Cavs started playing over 500. Now, there's others to play here too, but it was a big factor. And I think it's similar here. There's really nothing else in play here because the the Spurs are they have an offensive rating of 116.5 and a defensive rating of 102.5 with those two guys on the court plus 14 in 146 minutes. In 242 minutes, the Jeremy Sohan and Victor Wembanyama are on the court together. Their offensive rating is 93.9, their defensive rating is 117.1. They are being outscored by 23 points per 100 possessions. And Sohan has never 
played point guard until this year in the NBA. And uh, Jeff McDonald of the San Antonio Express News had a story recently where Sohan's talking about, he's like, man, sometimes I just want to say, I don't want to bleep and do this. You know, like he's like, this is a mental struggle for him, but I think he understands big picture. And listen, I don't know, it was part of this angling for lottery odds. I know the Spurs would never, ever tank, but like the fact that the Trey Jones, Wimby, Tandem is that successful, but it's not what they start and close games with. It's pretty interesting. Um, And then they just like, I get wanting to stretch Sohan as much as possible. It's, you know, Pop has been very transparent about it. It's an experiment. But I just, you know, we've talked about it a hundred times. I think Wimby is always going to need really good point guard play to be fully able to, you know, capitalize on his insane talent. He's no not question. he's not going to be a primary initiator. And if you compare him to Chet, talk about an ideal situation. Chet steps into a starting lineup where he's got three guys who are really good at creating in the starting lineup, including one who's a first team all NBA player. And he just plays off of them and has played extraordinarily well. Yeah, and here's here's Holmgren's up up to date stats. Uh, by the way, just to compare this, Victor is playing thirty point two minutes per game. Mm-hmm. Chet is playing twenty nine point six. So basically the same same minutes. Just so you know about this, um, he is averaging. shooting, 46% on three, 91% at the line, eight rebounds, so slightly a couple less than Victor, 2.6 assists, just a little under one steal, 2.1 blocks, and 17 17 points flat per game. Mm -hmm. So Victor's a little bit more in the totals numbers. Chet significantly better in the efficiency numbers. Um, and I thought I would, so, so real quick, just to refresh Chet 17, eight rebounds, three assists, Victor 19, um, 10 rebounds, two and a half assists. I would thought I would tell you guys what a couple of historic all-time great big men did in their rookie year. Uh, Tim Duncan's first month uh, as a Spur, 1997, he played 36 minutes a game, so six minutes more than these guys, averaged 15 points, 11 rebounds, two assists on 56% shooting. He did not take, he did not make a three. And you, you know what Duncan shot at the foul line? <laughs> the first 15 games of his NBA career. Forty-four <laughs> percent. So he, a little bit less than what Chet's shooting from three. Right. So, and I looked up Shaq, who was a beast, as you remember, dominant from day one. In Shaq's first month as a rookie in 1992, he averaged 37 minutes a game. Okay, ready for this? 24 points, 16 rebounds. Uh, 1.5 assists, shot 55% from the field, which is pretty close to what Chet is doing 
on a lot longer shots. Um, right. People don't remember. People don't remember how just ridiculous young he was Shaq was breaking multiple. Like he didn't break boards. the backboards, but he was like breaking the the basket standard. Like the yes, the yes. basket standards that you know now it's the same in every arena. It didn't used to be the same, but the basket standards today were basically designed to handle Shaq because he kept yeah, breaking Shaq proof. <laughs> right. Uh, let me look up LeBron's first month here in a second. But uh, he shot. By the way, he shot fifty. Uh, 6% from the line. Um, did I say what Victor was shooting from the line? I'm not sure if I did. He's shooting um, 78% from the line. Yeah. So, yeah. The the thing, obviously, Chet is in a situation where he has a chance to make an immediate impact uh, in winning. And, and Victor doesn't have that chance. The Spurs the plans not to win now and the potentials not to win now. It's just, right. I mean, we just laid out, we just laid out. They're actively doing things that are not in their right. best interest. They know and, that Trey Jones is a better point guard than Jeremy Sohan right now. They are at the, or in the early stages of a rebuild and the thunder are nearing the finishing touches of a rebuild. And part of the whole finishing touches of the rebuild was the whole Sam Presti basically saying, Hey, Patience. We want to see what we have here before we do any kind of, you know, big moves to to get us over the hump or, you know, the whole finish our breakfast first stuff that he, he says. But part of that is like, what if they have their stars in place? They've got a number one. Is Chet a number two? He He might be that good. You know, talking to people in the summer, kind of what I heard was, hey, he, his impact early on is really going to be on the defensive end. And here he is a month into his career, averaging 17 points on better than 50, 40, 90, <laughs> making, you know, uh, making uh, plays off, you know, attacking closeouts, bringing the ball up the floor. I mean, I think everybody understood he was a, a multi-skilled seven-footer. I don't think there was an anticipation he was going to be this good of an offensive player right away. Well, and to me, okay. no, go ahead, Brian. Let's say LeBron's first month, uh, 2003, 16.8 points per game, 6.7 rebounds, seven rebounds, six assists, shot 40% from the field, mm. 73% from the line. When you go fast forward, I don't remember the exact day in January when they got a point guard, but just for the month of February, because that's an easy split. So this is after he's got a point guard, um, 21 points a game. So give or take five more points a game, six rebounds, four assists. So we averaged, you know, about two assists less per game, but five more points shot 44% from the field. So 4% higher. Um, and so like, and by the way, his plus minus was plus one in that first month. It was minus uh, almost four. Also, by the way, that was 20 plus minus with, with Wimby right now. It was also 20 years ago, by the way. And right now, Ron James, who's getting currently just got beasted into the basket by Alperen Shingun for a layup with four seconds ago to tie the game is currently the best player on the Lakers. Still is <laughs> trying to carry them to get another win. Uh just truly remarkable that we're talking about this yes, guy that, still. Yes, that, that first month that LeBron played, Victor 
was not born yet. He was his wife, his mother, I say his wife, his mother was pregnant with him. He was born in January of LeBron's rookie year. Yeah. By the way, Chet, uh, plus minus for the year, plus 73. That is the best of all rookies. Any guesses on who number two is? We talked about it earlier, so I know. No, but, you don't. Oh. I told you who I told you who was in the lead before. The, best, the second best have, plus minus of all rookies. Of all rookies. Wimby's not last. He's 64th out of 65th. Assault <laughs> is, is minus 99. Wimby's minus 97. Who's 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 last? Uh Assault Thompson. Assault oh, Thompson's too worse. Playing for the Pistons. Playing, I mean, by he, the way, he, he's, he's a dude. He'd be first team, he'd be first team all rookie right now. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> he had he's 10 had more good, rebounds today. He's had a really he's had a really good start. One Any of the few bright spots on, in a rough on, piston start. I guess Keontae, so. I'm gonna guess Keontae George because he's played well as a point guard, but I'm sure it's not him. No, he's 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 down the list. It's a lottery pick. Come on. If you see Chet, you probably see this guy. Who's the Thunder's other lottery pick? Kason Wallace. Oh, Kason oh, Wallace. Kason Wallace. Yeah. Right. By Who the is, way, who's uh, also having I mean that he's, he's having a really good year picks. too. He's really interesting. He's also he's sixty-two and a half percent for the floor, fifty-four point two percent from the three-point range, just nine and nine from the line, but one hundred percent from the line. Super efficient, a really really good rotation player right away, um, and his future is going to be very interesting. He's got a chance to be a high-level starter sooner than later. Well, Casey Wallace got a bump on it today because he was plus nineteen today. He was so. Plus- yeah, Derek Lively, when I looked this up yesterday, he was number one. He's now number three after a uh, tough performance one. against uh, DeMontis Bonus in the Sacramento Kings, but he's plus 45 and and has been so much better than the Mavericks anticipated when they drafted him as far as immediate impact. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. All right, I've got a little trivia question here for you. So, Victor... Okay. The game that uh, he played on uh, Saturday, which was a loss to the Grizzlies, a bad home loss. Um, the Spurs can't have bad losses. <laughs> well, that's well, they were they say. giving up like a twenty-seven to five run to start the fourth quarter. I would say is pretty bad. So he had nineteen points, thirteen rebounds, and eight blocks. Um, by the way, uh, opponents are shooting forty-one percent in the paint against him when he's the defender. That's the second best amongst players to contest 75 uh, field goals uh, in the paint so far this year with AD being second uh, going into tonight's game. Oh, he's better than the other Frenchman. I guess so. That's what, uh, that's what uh, stats Williams says. Um, All right. So the last rookie with at least 10 rebounds, uh, 15 points, 10 rebounds and eight blocks in a game, the last rookie. And I will tell you that it was a number one overall pick. Yao Ming. Good guess. You're in the right era. Wrong name, but good guess. Duncan then? Tim Duncan did have eight blocks in the game as a rookie, but he didn't have 15, 10, and eight. David mm-hmm. Robinson. David Robinson also had eight blocks as a rookie, but did not oh. have 15 and 10. I was just assuming that Yao Ming. Uh, I was going to say the Samson. other Rockets. I was going to say the other Rocket Center and say Akeem, but that, I figured that was not the same era as Yao. Ralph will, Sampson. <laughs> no, I will give you one hint. This player is currently a general manager in the NBA. Former player. Elton Brand? That's correct. First wow. rookie with 15, 10, and 8 since Elton Brand, 1999. That's pretty good. Um, you mentioned Derek Lively, uh, McMahon. Uh, he's 
he, he we we talked on the last pod about um how you know you think the Mavericks might have uh, benefited from you know maybe not finding that center um in the offseason trade market mm-hmm. uh and certainly lively has done some things that have been positive but the Mavericks I I have a very hard time taking a team seriously that ranks in the bottom three, really in the bottom 10. Now, listen, the, the Mavericks and the Indiana Pacers are very, very similar. Elite, awesome offensive teams cannot stop a nosebleed. And honestly, they're like, I think the Suns are going to be similar. The Suns aren't a good defensive team. They're going to score a ton of points when their guys are healthy. They're at least their two main dudes, and they're going to give up a ton of points. And I think, you know, the the Kings are trying to get out of that mix. That's what the Kings were last year, and the Kings were they were a combination of awesome enough offensively, and Cajones factor player of the year. De'Aaron Fox as a closer allowed them to be a number three seed with that formula, but it's a tough formula. Well, let me tell you a little something about the Mavericks. So this is before today's game. This is this is all compiled uh, in the wake of their loss and to the Bucks. Um, they rank last in the league in field goal percentage allowed on layups and dunks this season. Um, Giannis on Saturday. Now, look, I know Giannis is a tough Ooh. standard. Huh. Um, Giannis had thirty-two points in the paint. They they allow over 50 points per game in the paint. They've had two games this year where they've allowed 72 points in the paint. But and the problem is they it listen, it's not rim protection. It's blow by blow by blow by because there the problem is they give up a lot of wide open threes. And those two things are directly related. Yeah, I mean they're they're basically the same team as the Milwaukee Bucks on the perimeter. The difference is the Bucks have Giannis and Brooke inside, which is why their defense is middling, and the Mavs defense is terrible. Right? Well, I mean that's the difference. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like I don't what I mean. Derek Lively can't be expected to solve that no, problem by no, himself. For sure. But but what are the Mavs going to do about that? Well, this is the problem about if you're, I mean, this has been the inherent issue with trying to build a team around Kyrie and Luca from Jump Street. Like, you're you're just going to have to do what they did this summer. They did about as good as they could do with what they put around them this summer in the short term. But, like, that's you got to hope Derek Lively becomes an elite defensive center, and you've got to have as much 3 and D talent around them as humanly possible to make up for their shortcomings because they're not, Going to stop many people. They're just right. Not. And you look at their summer additions. Grant Williams, a good defensive player. He's a what he is is a is a smart, tough, play hard, uh, good defensive system player. He's not a stopper. You're not throwing. There's you're not throwing Grant Williams at the other team's number one option and saying, hey. This is, you know, this is your assignment tonight. You can do that on occasion. He can't do it every play for game after game after game. That's not what you're having him do. Right. He's a cog in the machine who can hit threes. You know, Derek Jones Jr. has been a night, a heck of a value pickup for them at the minimum. But it's like, he's not, they don't have anybody you call a stopper, right? Um, and then Lively is 19. He's 19 years old. The fact that he has 
contributed as much as he has as a teenager is incredible, especially like he was raw. He did not play much at Duke last year. Again, they got him thinking, wow, this kid is a massive talent, but he is a project. And just the progress he made from the end of summer league to the start of camp, they were like, whoa, he's going to be ready to, to help us a lot more than we thought. And he has. And, you know, talking to their coaches, you know, I ask them, hey, how, how do you grade lively defensively now? And kind of what I get back is, you know what, by the standards of a starting center in the NBA right now, he's okay. He's all right. Which for a teenager to be okay as a starting center is like miles ahead of what can be expected. So he's okay now with the potential to be like awesome, like elite, you know, all defense type of guy. It's not, he's not going to make that leap this year. Hopefully he's, and JK was talking about this tonight. Hopefully he's significantly better in two months than he is now. But like no 19-year-old kid is going to be able to prop up a bad defense by himself. It's just not reasonable. It's just Correct. not reasonable. And they are a blow-by factory on the perimeter. Well, I'm just saying like the, the inability to have even put up even a cursory fight in the paint is beginning to undercut their start. And you wonder how far it's going to undercut them as it goes on. Yeah. And, and, and it gets back to, listen, am I saying that the Mavericks should be considered one of the best teams in Western Conference? I don't think so, because I just don't think this defense is good enough no. uh, to be in that category. Well, no, right like now, we've talked about the whole time, the goal was to get into the playoffs again. Like if they're in the playoffs, that's that's a win. Nobody should be expecting them to be a real contending team like that was not the kind of lead right. that was realistically in the cards. If they could finish sixth, if they could guarantee themselves a top six spot and not have to be in the playing tournament, right. that'd be a very significant step forward from where they were last year with the growth of Derek Lively, with right. integrating Grant Williams, with Josh Green getting more playing time and playing well like that. All right. Then you're talking about some young guys that are playing well. You take a step forward. You then add next summer that, that is a tangible sign of growth. Anybody looking at this team thinking they're as good as even like, obviously you saw tonight, they play Sacramento. They're not as good as Sacramento. They're not as good as, you know, it's certainly Denver. Like they're, they're hoping to be sixth. That, that will be a big win for them. Well, right now the team in 10th in the West is the golden state warriors who have lost six in a row. They're six and eight now for the season. Um, during that losing streak, uh, so you take every team in the league's last six games, uh, the Warriors ranked 27th in offensive efficiency. They ranked 29th in field goal percentage. They ranked 27th in three-point field goal percentage. Steph missed a couple of the games with a sore knee. Draymond has served one game of his suspension thus far. Um, Clay Thompson has been just in the throes of a slump. These are the shooting of his last five games, starting with the Oklahoma City loss, five of 13. Before that, the first game against Oklahoma City, one of 10. Minnesota game, he got ejected two minutes in. Um, 
the choke hold game. So he took one shot, missed it. Uh, first game against Minnesota, five of 16. First game against or second, or the game against Cleveland, five of 16. He is averaging 14 points and shooting 40% flat now on the season, just 33% from three-point range. He is not the only thing that's going on. We talk about a collapse of their offensive firepower. He is right there. We've talked about this before. The situation is not improving to this point. Um, They've been slightly better defensively. Last year, as you remember, they were horrible defensively for much of the year on the road, particularly. They were actually pretty good at home. Um, Mm. Their defense has actually been better than their offense. Uh, It's still in the bottom half, but less of a culprit to the fact that they just can't score. And it's, you know, uh, this is a team that's, you know, highly invested in this season with what they're spending. They're highly, highly invested in this season. So look, I don't know what to say about, about this that we haven't already said Bontemps, but it's, you know, in that overtime against, um, against the, uh, the thunder, they went two of 11. Two of it's, 11. It's premature to panic. It just is. Yeah, I agree. Of course. But it's, it's not premature to say that, you know, they're really in a tough rut right now. No, there's yeah. there's red flags. And and I think the Clay one is the most concerning. Having said that, he got off to a really poor start last year and then was like suddenly prime Clay came around the corner and, and wasn't able to keep it going in the playoffs. But, you know, we saw that happen. Wiggins. That's why even though they ended up losing the game to Oklahoma City, if that's like Wiggins' arrival to this NBA season, that is huge because he has been so bad up until that game. They they need him to be not necessarily an all-star. They don't they don't need the PR staff to 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 get him into another all-star game. But they sure as hell need him to be a very good player to have a chance of being anything more than playing fodder. Uh, yeah. For him to make as many threes in one game as he had the rest of the season put together. And, you know, maybe he's a guy who, whether it's healthy issues or whatever, maybe he kind of needs that early season to to ramp up after kind of, I don't want to say coasting in the summer, but not being able to go maybe as hard as he wants in the summer, maybe he needs that first month of the season to ramp up. That's the hope, because if the first month of the season is a sign of what's to come with Wiggins, they are absolutely cooked. Yeah, that that's why to me, I mean, I, I think it, it's definitely time to be panicked to some degree with the Warriors. Not, I mean, yes, a lot of it you could point to, Clay and Wiggins have been bad, and they've been bad going back to the start of the preseason. So if they start to play better, that will certainly help. I think the concern is you're six and eight, Steph Curry has been unbelievable through the first month. He basically hasn't missed any time. He's missed a game or two. He's pretty much been healthy. You know, at some point, just because of the way he plays and he's not exactly the biggest guy, he's going to miss a handful of games at some point this year. And whenever he's that out there, their offense has no prayer of doing anything. Well, and- no, that it, it, it's not with CP3. It's not the cliff that they used well, to- I mean, yes, to a point, except he hasn't been able to hit a shot either. Now, again, I don't think all these guys are going to just c- cumulatively not make any shots all season. I think they'll Great. start to hit shots. I think yeah. Golden State will be fine. But the problem is you're digging yourselves a hole. And the whole thing for them all summer was we want to get off to a great start. We don't want to get ourselves in a hole again and have to be climbing out of it all year. Now they're six and eight. They've got Houston on a back-to-back Monday night. 
They damn well better win that game. Rockets lost a real close one in L.A. tonight. Tough game at the end. They're going to be tired. Oh, Dylan Brooks is going to be feisty after he got poked by that bear. Well, (laughs) they got that game. He's referencing uh, the Clippers. It was an incredible shot of uh, Russell. I think that's what you're saying, where Westbrook went up for a dunk and raked Dylan across the face. And there's a classic uh, still shot of it. Oh, I'm talking about the bear, LeBron, LeBron. Oh. Right. LeBron had 37, six and eight tonight against. Uh, oh, I, I hadn't heard the numbers yet. I hadn't looked. Now, Dylan uh, actually yeah. had. Wow, Dylan took 21 shots. That's not a great sign, but he had 24 points. Final minute of that game, Alperen Sengun scored. Uh, went right to the rim a couple times, including once through LeBron with about five seconds to go, and then LeBron got fouled to uh, hit one or two to win the game. But anyway, Anyways. they have Houston at home. They better win that game. They then have Phoenix. They have San Antonio, as we talked about, they're a disaster. They really need to win that game. Yeah. And then they have the Kings on Tuesday uh, and what will be the final game next Tuesday, the final game of the in-season tournament group play for them and the final game of Draymond suspension. But, like, and they've got – Kings are trying to get to Vegas, baby. Well, they listen, they've got the, the Clippers. They've got the Clippers three out of four. Uh, after that, they've got the Suns again. They've got Boston. Like, they've got Denver, Miami – Dallas to close the month of December. They got a lot yeah. of tough games. What they do? Boston, Boston almost lost to Memphis tonight, and Denver got blown out by Cleveland. I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> they just they they can't really afford to fall into a big hole, and they're already in tenth. And if they don't, like, let's say they slip up in this Rockets game, they go one and three in these next four. You're look, you're sitting at seven and eleven at that point. You're already out of the top ten in the West. Put you in the exact position they were afraid of being in all year, which was to have to be digging out of a hole the whole time. Yeah, and they wanted just... to be up in the top four and be comfortable and and get out to a good start and get going. And instead, it's almost been a exact repeat of last year, with the only difference being they're just splitting up the wins and losses, and they're not just comically bad away from home. I at least want to have my turkey and stuff, and before I start putting dirt on a dynasty, that's all I'm saying. I would I'm agree. I would. Dirt. I'm not I'm putting dirt on anything, but it's this oh. is this is literally no, you're not what they dirt. You're tinkle tinkle, USWB. <laughs> this is this is the WB material. Here okay. you go. This is the situation. The Warriors spent all summer beating their chests, saying, "Hey, you know what? We're not going to do this year. Get off to a crappy start. We're going to be good. We're going to come out playing and they, well. And, we're and they be were ready six to go. and two. And they hey. were six and two. And hey, now they're the six Warriors, and eight. They fixed their biggest problem. They're winning on the road, baby. <laughs> Well, I would agree with you. I'd rather be late than early on the Warriors. I will say this, McMahon, you are correct about Clay Thompson. The first three weeks of the season last year, he was actually worse. He was shooting. Yeah, it was, he's 33. I mean, there were people saying he was done this time last year. He was shooting uh, 33% and only averaging 12 points. And then he started playing better. And by midseason, he and was, he finished hitting 300 threes. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So that's a good point. All right. couple things here. Uh, Coming up this next week on Wednesday, we will have our third annual Friendsgiving podcast, our long, extra long pod for your travel over Thanksgiving Wednesday and uh, only two pods next week, but we're going to have our third annual Friendsgiving. And so we're still working up some uh, some of the folks that'll be on for that, talking about a wide range of stuff. And as a reminder, we will have our first Hoop Collective live show Friday, December 8th in Las Vegas at the Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club at the link uh, right there on the strip. 
There is going to be a link for tickets going out on social media. I mean, there's uh, Jackson, am I supposed to read this bit.ly link? Is that what I'm supposed to do to get you the Ticketmaster link? Or should I just wait to have it on social media? No, you can read the link. All right. Well, it's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Wendy Hoop Vegas. That's the link. The That's the bit.ly link. I, uh, so I did, I did not approve that. <laughs> you, you better be careful. You won't get your free t-shirt. Oh, probably has your picture on it. I'm not sure if I want it. <laughs> Neither. I don't even know what it looks like. Uh, all right. So that's the update on that. Take a look at that. You can get your tickets. I'm sure they'll go outrageously fast. I'm sure they, I'm sure they will. By the I mean, way, we had a whole discussion about uh, the rookie of the first month that we never said who we would take as rookie of the month. So Wendy? I think we should probably say. Um, I I didn't really s- I mean. You, the- have, you have a vote. Make a vote. <laughs> they are both your discoveries, we realize. But it, and it also is a fake vote that doesn't mean anything. So you could just pick one. Right now, obviously, I think it's, I don't think anybody in good conscience could say anybody besides Chet. Bon Timps? I would also say Chet. And I, just to add one thing that we didn't talk about earlier, I think it's really not been discussed enough in the discussion about these guys that one of them is playing center full time and one of them is not playing center hardly at all. And the fact that Chet has come in and played center on this team right away, and we've talked about it a bunch of times, it's just a gigantic thing for the Thunder going forward. Probably the mm-hmm. one of the most important things I think that's happened in the league this year that he's walked in and been this good right away at center. And the, for the things that opens up for them. So Victor's great. He's going to be great. But I, I think to me, the way he's impacted things at both ends at this point, it would have to be Chet. And if it continues this way, I think that'll be how it goes till the end, but we'll see. I'll also go with the red shirt rookie. <laughs> all right. Well, I had this thing all nicely on a bow, but then we went backwards. Now we're going to put the bow back on. So That's fine. Oh. All right. So thank you for listening to the Collective Podcast. Thank you to Jackson. Thank you to Bon Thompson McMahon. We'll talk to you on Friendsgiving on Wednesday. Adios, amigos. Mm-hmm.